0: All right, this morning as we continue the greater than this series, we'll be with, with the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 as he shares some words to the brothers and sisters of first century Ephesus, starting in verse 24. Put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Last week, we talked about the law of entropy, which is a law in the field of physics, but is also just a law that we experience every day in our lives. It goes like this. Any closed system is, deter- it is bound to decay, to diminish, to lose energy over time. Any closed system will lose energy. And we talked about, like, riding a bicycle. And if you're riding a bicycle and the tires get low, they're deflated. It gets harder and harder to pedal. You don't coast as far. You don't remember ever having taken air out of the tires. You don't exactly know when it happened, but it happens. The tires, over time, become deflated. And you can, I suppose, just keep on pedaling, keep on riding that bike, uh, trying harder and harder, or you can stop and fill those tires with air. Well, we talked about how life has a way of deflating us. Along the way, there are things that happen throughout the week that tend to take the air out of our tires, and we can try harder, we can work harder, we can grit our teeth, or we can stop, and we can fill ourselves up. Now, Paul told us last week that the Holy Spirit of God lives in us, and He renews us day by day. He fills us up. That was from Ephesians, cha- or sorry, second Corinthians chapter four, verse 16. It says, "Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Inwardly, believers, we are being renewed day by day." Well, this week, we're going to be talking about an area where a lot of us need some renewing, and that is rage. That is anger. We as believers have a powerful ally in our battle against rage because our God is greater than our anger. And if we are living in connection with the Lord, if we are stopping and being refilled and refreshed by His Spirit, He will keep our hearts full and we will be able to live as more than conquerors in spite of the anger that all of us from time to time will experience so we as believers we're still going to get angry but because of the spirit of god we will not be mastered by it we will not be destroyed by it now good to say this right off the top anger is not necessarily a bad thing it is not necessarily a sin To be angry. In fact, as the passage we just read said in verse 26, in your anger do not sin. So, Paul is letting us know you can be angry and not sin, but in your anger, don't sin. In fact, being angry can be a good thing. In a world where we encounter evil, where we encounter injustice, it is good and it is right to have a reaction to that, to feel something. When you see somebody being mistreated or someone whose rights and dignity are being disregarded, it's good and it's right to be bothered by that, to be angry about that. You might remember one of the examples of, where Jesus got angry, one of them uh, that I just remember from early on hearing this story and thinking, wow, Jesus was really mad when he was in the temple courts. It had been turned into a den of thieves. There were business people there who were exploiting those who came to worship God, changing their money and giving them unfair rates as they, as they transferred to temple shekels. Um, Worse than that, in the outer courts of the temple where the Gentiles could gather and come close to God, the only place they were allowed to gather, um, a a house of prayer for all the nations, the, the Gentile courts, they had become so full of small businesses, think like a flea market, that there was no room for the Gentiles to come and worship. They were simply crowded out of the presence of God. Jesus was angry about that. Starts flipping over temples, makes a whip, makes quite a scene. And that was the right response. That was being good and angry. You can be good and angry. In fact, sometimes the right response is to be angry. Now, a lot of our anger isn't helpful, it's hurtful, right? A lot of it isn't this kind of anger. We know this, the Bible confirms it. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 29, verse 22, an angry man stirs up dissension, and a hot-tempered man commits many sins. All right? Righteous anger is good, but being an angry person is not good. Being an angry man is not good. It causes a person to sin, and it divides people. Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 17, from the message. The hot-headed do things they will later regret. Does that deserve an amen or what? The hot-headed do things they will later regret. Amen. Rarely, when I lose my cool, do I do something that I'm later proud of. All right? Now... if we're gonna experience the greater than life we're gonna to have to we're gonna to have to begin to ask some some I think tough questions or, or deep questions and really explore ourselves a little bit when it comes to our anger we've got to be willing to do the work of figuring out why am I so angry what is underneath this volcano of rage And I hope that you'll think about that today. I hope that you'll think about that this week because we have to explore ourselves in order to uncover the roots of our rage. You may be angry, and congratulations if you are, you may be angry, this is on the outline this morning, because of number one, injustice. That's a good reason to be angry. Injustice in the world. That's what's supposed to get us angry. That is how God wired us to see people being mistreated, to see wrong happening, and to have a reaction to that. That's why Jesus was flipping the tables over at the mo- with the money changers in the temple. Right? So injustice should anger us. But we see our fallen nature even in this. Because often the injustice that angers us is not the injustice committed against another person or another group of people it is the injustice that we suffer like Starbucks messing up our orders like getting cut off on 635 like a loved one forgetting your birthday like being overlooked for a promotion at work we are very easily angered at the injustices committed against us when we're not treated fairly. But we see our fallen nature in that we often don't react with all that much rage when we see other people, innocent people, being mistreated and being hurt. Next, something else that commonly makes us angry, that makes people angry, is just pain hurt and anger go together. There are look, there are plenty of sins that I personally struggle with. I'll tell you this, foul language, okay? Cussing, I don't struggle all that much with foul language. It's just not one of the things that really tempts me. However, if I'm working around the house, I mean, maybe I'm hanging pictures on the wall, and you've got those tiny little nails that you use to hang pictures on the wall, and I nail my thumb, right, I'm just, bam, with a hammer. I hope nobody's listening to what I might say. The filter comes off. You stubbed your toe, headed to the bathroom in the middle of the night, Who knows what you might say? Um, Words, figures of speech that I would never use in ordinary speech tend to pour forth. I'm just being honest with you, okay? Now, pain. That's it. Pain makes us angry. Um, Obviously, we're not just talking about physical pain here. We're talking about emotional pain. We're talking about the wounds that we have suffered in relationships and in our past history. How about another cause of of our rage? And that is number three on the outline is frustration. Frustrations make us angry. Slow internet connections. Um, Hotel Wi-Fi that costs $20 a day. What's the deal with that, by the way? Maybe somebody can help me with this later on, but... Why is it that the really cheap hotel has free Wi-Fi and the really expensive hotel, bam, they get you $20 a day? I don't know. You would think the nicer hotel with all the amenities, they just throw that one in for free, but they don't. It's the cheapo hotel that gives you the free Wi-Fi. Okay, anyway, enough of that. (laughs) Meetings can be frustrating. Airports can be frustrating. TSA can be frustrating. Okay, it is frustrating. Getting stuck in traffic and being late on the one day you absolutely can't be late. That's frustrating. and can get you angry. So if you're wondering why you are angry, ask yourself about frustrations. Is it that there are frustrations underneath my anger? Fear is another thing that can cause us to be angry. Fear. Um, Parents, so your teenager is out very late. Very late. You can't go to bed. You can't go to sleep. You can't relax. They're not answering your phone calls. And I say this because I think every parent of every teenager can identify with this. They're not answering your phone calls. They're not answering your text message. And all of these scenarios are running through your head. Maybe there's been an accident. Maybe something terrible has happened, and then they come in. Act as though nothing has happened at all. You get a little angry because you're worried. you've been concerned. you've been afraid that something had happened, and when we are afraid, anger is, is often right there. Remember the time when Jesus and his disciples, they're crossing the Sea of Galilee, they're, they're in this boat crossing over together this storm comes up, a terrible storm comes up really fast on them. And the boat is just filling up with water and, and the disciples are bailing the water and they are scared to death. They think this is it. Remember what Jesus was doing? Sleeping. Okay. This whole thing is happening. He's taking a nap. The disciples were angry with Jesus. In Mark chapter 4, verse 38, they say, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And you know what Jesus said to them? Well, here's what Jesus didn't say He didn't say to his disciples, Why are you so angry? He did say to his disciples, Why are you so scared? Because he knew their anger wasn't the real issue, it was their fear, it was their lack of trust in him. So it could, back, it could be that when you peel back your anger, you're going to find fear. Fear for your children, fear for your future, fear for your job security, fear for your health. Um, yeah, lots of things to be afraid about and often they bring out the emotion of rage. And if we're going to get a handle on our rage, we need to be asking ourselves, why am I so angry all of the time? Maybe it's a fear. We're going to go a little bit deeper here. Maybe, number five, it is unmet expectations slash perfectionism. These two don't have to go together, but I thought they kind of fit neatly together. Unmet expectations or perfectionism. If you are a perfectionist, you may be angry with yourself that you are failing to live up to your own high standards. You may be angry with a family member or a spouse or a coworker that they are consistently not living up to or delivering the kind of quality or the kind of choices that you think they should be making or the kind of work that they should be doing, and you're angry about it. But it's not just for perfectionists to get angry about this. Anybody, and most people, get angry when expectations are consistently not met by somebody that they care about, whether it's a spouse or family member or a coworker or a or best friend. Expectations aren't being met, they get angry. Now look, if it's your cell phone company and they're not living up to your expectations... It's not that big of a deal. You switch carriers, right? The service is always patchy, blah, blah, blah. I don't like it. I'm switching to Verizon or I'm switching to AT&T or I'm switching to whatever. But when it's your spouse or your daughter or your son or a really good friend and your expectations are not being... Met? It's not that simple, is it? It's a big one. <laughs> I see people angry about this all the time. And they may not even know this is what is causing them to be angry. But there is someone, there are maybe some ones, who are consistently not meeting their expectations of what needs to happen, what needs to be done. And this has given them this chronic, low-grade sense of rage. Let's go a little deeper even. Number six. Repeating, and this one I'll need to explain a little bit, okay? But repeating an angry story. Repeating an angry story. In our minds, sometimes we are rehearsing and we are repeating these stories that sustain our anger. They can just kind of barrel through our thoughts like runaway locomotives careening down the tracks. And if we keep repeating these stories to ourselves then we've got to open our eyes and see that repeating them is not serving us it is not helping us it is certainly not healing us now the stories may be true the pain that happened it it really happened somebody wronged you something happened yes But constantly replaying that story in your mind is making you an angry person. And how long will you allow that story that you're repeating in your mind to be a ball and chain around your emotions? For some folks, the reason they are always full of rage or it's bubbling right below the surface is they keep revisiting these painful narratives. In their minds. Now, we need to also be aware that anger can be a coping mechanism. Um, We may not even know that we are doing it, but uh, rage—this is the last—the last thing there on the causes of anger—can be a coping, or it can be covering up core hurts. Um, This is one that's going to take some serious. Self-examination, because you're really getting deep into your emotions. here. May, you may even need a therapist to help you work through some of this and see where, where your rage is coming from. Basically, researchers are finding that chronic anger can be a sort of self-medicating, a self-soothing, all right? That you, you're actually doing that to feel better about yourself in some way or to cope with some things that you've never really dealt with. Um, feeling ignored. Feeling unimportant. Feeling powerless. Feeling unlovable. These can be the root causes of anger, and you don't even know it. But being angry can feel better. Than feeling powerless. Feeling angry can feel better than feeling unlovable. And so anger can mask what's really going on, it can cover up what's really down there. Anyway, if we're gonna find hope and help from God in our rage, part of the process is gonna involve asking these questions and uncovering what's really happening. Why am I angry all the time? Ignoring your anger, or worse yet, feeding it, does not help you become the person God wants you to become. It does not help you become free. It does not help you become full of joy. It does not help you. It does not help the people around you. Mark Twain, I love this quote. Mark Twain once said, Anger is an acid that does more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. So, back to the greater than God who can help us deal with our rage, whose spirit lives in us, and who can help us break free. There's a roadmap for rage recovery in Ephesians chapter 4. The very first thing is this. I will it's a decision. I will deal with my anger on a daily basis. Put a circle around that in your mind. Daily basis. Acknowledging it and explore what's behind it and give it to God. This is what Paul says. He says in verse 26, "Do not let the sun so daily basis here, do not let the sun go down on you while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Don't give the enemy leverage. And you give the enemy leverage when you say, eh, I'll deal with it tomorrow. Someday I'll get around to handling my anger. All you're doing is giving the devil an excellent handle on your heart. The Word says if anger is getting the best of you, if it's eating away at you with its acid, then the worst thing you can do is just ignore it, repress it, push it down deeper, pretend everything's okay. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. So the decision to acknowledge it and to deal with it, that decision is a first step but a very important step. And Paul is also going to say something about what we say in anger about controlling our words. He is going to remind us what we already know. Our words are powerful. What we say matters. We are responsible. As children of God, we are responsible for how we use our words. Will they build people around us? Will they build your children? Will they build up your spouse? Or will they diminish and destroy And you aren't dealing with your anger if you aren't dealing with what you say, taking responsibility for your words. Last week, freelance writer Shami Pernjapi wrote this in the Huffington Post. Words emit vibrations and sink down into our inner psyche to create a world of their own. They breathe unseen and form a subtle inner landscape. Words are bigger than themselves. They encapsulate worlds. They help. They enlighten. They delight. They arouse. They caution. They sympathize. And the flip side... They are little sharp weapons, too, that cut, hurt, wound, and in a few lethal seconds desecrate and totally demolish. So Paul tells us, use them wisely to build and encourage not to tear down. Number two, I will recognize the power of my words, using them to build others, not tear them down. Verse 29 says that I will use my words, building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now Paul confronts us with a reality that disciples of Christ cannot ignore. That our anger issues, that dealing with our anger issue is not optional. It is not something we can choose to either engage or not engage. Number three, I understand that my anger is a spiritual sickness, a serious spiritual sickness that grieves God. It breaks the Holy Spirit's heart when we don't deal with our anger. Verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So in the context of anger, Paul says that rage causes God to grieve. His Spirit lives in you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He inhabits you. He has sealed you for the day of redemption. He is your guarantee of better things to come. He is your promise of glory, eternal life, of heaven. And he mourns when a Christian makes the choice not to deal with their anger. Now finally, Paul gives us a positive path forward Um, That really helps us in our daily battles with anger. Many are held captive by these angry stories they keep rehearsing and repeating to themselves. Um, But we, as those who have been set free by Jesus Christ, while we will get angry from time to time, we'll get frustrated, we'll get afraid from time to time, we understand that those stories are nothing compared to the greater story to which we belong. Amen? We belong to the gospel. That's our story. That's the plot of our lives. And that greater than story can pull us through, give us momentum to deal with our anger. Number four, every day, I choose to wear the greater story of which I'm a part And this is the language Paul uses, is the language of of putting on, like you would, a suit or, or, or your clothing in the morning. Putting it on. Wearing this identity. He says in verse 24, Put on the new self, created to be like God. Would you read that with me? Let's read that together. Put on the new self, created to be like God. So whatever... Has happened to you, whatever has gone on in your past, whenever you've lost your cool or said things that you regret, know this, Paul says, you in Christ are a new person. He says, put it on, wear that. So the first bullet point there I'm a new person. I am a new person in Christ. Don't miss out what he says here. Look, you may have accepted Jesus. You may have been baptized into Christ. You, but the apostle says in verse 24, you've got to put on the new self. Put on the new self. Wake up and wear it every day. Decide, that's the story I'm wearing today. I'm going to be a gospel-shaped person today. Um, I'm a new person. So whatever has happened to you up to this point, whatever mistakes that you have made, however you may have lost your temper, in Christ you are a new person, Paul says, put that on, instead of putting on those angry stories. Now, too easily we tend to wear those lesser stories, the ones that people tell us about ourselves. The ones that we decide are true, based on our guilt and shame and regret from the past, too easily we wear those smaller stories. Here's the thing. There is no story greater than the story of the gospel. There is no greater story than the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That God sent His Son to die for you and to be raised for you. And when you're baptized into Jesus, in fact, Paul's going to say this in Galatians chapter 3, when you're baptized into Jesus, you put on that story. He says you are clothed with Christ. You wear the gospel. There is no story in your life that compares to that one. There are ups and downs. There are triumphs and defeats. There are pleasures and pains, but there is nothing that compares to that story. It is greater than anything else you're telling yourself. You are a new person in Jesus Christ. That's who you are. Now, where is this leading? Paul tells us. The second bullet point there, it is leading you to become more Like God. Now, that's not an ego thing. okay? That's not a prideful thing. That's not a, wow, I'm getting to be more and more like God. It's not that. It's an acknowledgement of the work the Spirit is doing in your life and how He is transforming you into the holiness, and into the righteousness of God himself. Look, giving your life to Christ, being baptized into Jesus, that's terrific, okay? That's stuff that we celebrate here and and in all churches uh, around the world. I think we celebrate those moments. But sometimes we can give the impression that the moment someone gives their life to Jesus that they've crossed the finish line Mission accomplished! They haven't crossed the finish line Praise God Finally, they found the right race to run (laughs) They found the right starting line They've been chasing this, they've been chasing that, they've been moved by this, fueled by this. Finally, they found their race, the one that God has destined them to run. Your baptism, Jesus says, is a new birth. It's not the end, it's the beginning. The beginning of what? The beginning of the Spirit remaking you into that person you were always supposed to be in the image of God. And with the help of the forgiveness that we have through Jesus Christ, with the help of the Spirit that He gives us when we put Him on in baptism, with the encouragement of the family of God that surrounds us, we get to spend the rest of our lives growing more and more into this great, amazing story that God has plotted out for us. So Paul, I think, has given us a very clear roadmap to rage recovery. Will you deal with your anger on a daily basis not letting the sun set on your heart when it's angry will you take responsibilities for the words that you say take responsibility for the words that you say so that you will bless and encourage and motivate people around you instead of tearing them down Will you understand the power of your words and use them wisely for God's glory? Will you accept and acknowledge that your anger, it's a big deal to God. It it grieves the Spirit. And will you, every single day, put on the greater story that you are now a part of in Jesus Christ? the gospel story. It could be this morning that you need to cross that line of faith and accept Jesus. Turn your life over to him. Be immersed, be baptized into that amazing story of the death, burial, and resurrection. Make that story your story, your defining story. You can do that this morning. It could be that you're here looking for a church home. If you've been, maybe you're here the First time you've been here and you're thinking, I think I might want to be a part of this church, or you've been coming for a while, Here, September the 13th, um, Sunday. We're going to have PC Connect, which is our membership workshop. It's the way you place membership at this church. Become part of this family. We would encourage you to be a part of that. We'll have lunch together. We'll talk for a while. And that's from about noon to 2 on September 13th. You'll get more information on that later. But we want to invite you to be a part of what's going on here because God's doing some amazing things in our church family here at Preston Crest and maybe just maybe he, he has a mission for you here with us. He wants you to join us, teach us, work with us, uh, be part of us here. Maybe you just need prayers and we would invite you to, to pray together, group together and pray over whatever it is that's on your heart this morning. But whatever you need to do between you and the Spirit of God, Do that right now as we stand together and worship.